This podcast is being brought to you by WXAV.com. WXAV, bringing the best artists to you. Welcome to WXAV. I'm Sean Anderson, and this upcoming podcast is an interview that I held along with my classmate, Mia Morgan, with Gregory Lorgest. Gregory Lorgest is the former associate director of scheduling to President Barack Obama. In this interview, we touch upon how Greg scheduled the president, the father, and the man himself, Barack Obama, and we also asked Greg on whether he was going to run for president. There's much more in there, and we hope you enjoy. So I worked um, at the White House since the first Monday of the administration, so mm-hmm. like the full eight years, I was his director, or served as his director, for a little over two and a half years. Would you mind explaining why you are at St. Xavier? Because we know you're giving a, a speak later on around like 3, 3 p.m. today. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you end up coming to St. Xavier, and then uh, what, is, what is the talk really focused so, around? Um, so Dean Campbell, like we've known each other uh, for, I want to say, going on well, 1999 or 2007, close to, what is that, 16 years? Mm-hmm. And, you know, not only was he my dean of student, but he's also a close friend and mentor. And um, over the years, you know, so I, I love talking to students. Like college, my college years were the best years of my life, still to this day, you know, mm-hmm. even after wor- working at the White House, working <laughs> at the Clinton Foundation. I had so much fun in college because, you know, it was an experience that, um, you know, I never thought uh, would be possible. And, you know, it was the first time where, you know, every day I woke up, I had the intention uh, of doing well. So, you know, since leaving college, you know, I made it a mission of mine to always go back and to share my story, you know, to, you know, let, you know, students know that, you know, this is this is going to be the best part of your life, you know. So you, you want to make sure you're doing the best of it. Like you know, everybody knows you got to go in to uh, to get good grades, uh, but also you know you, you want to be able to have fun and you want to be able to engage, you know. So like joining uh, different um, clubs and organizations, you know, being part of the actual community. So you know why I'm here today is one you know like Dean Campbell and I when I last saw him he, he told me about you know like the campus and like uh, the the student population you know most of the students here um you know have similar backgrounds as mine you know in terms of you know it probably wouldn't have been possible for them to even get into college if it weren't for you know a, a Pell grant or a specific you know you know program that was geared into helping those who wouldn't be able to get into college you know under normal circumstances get into college you know that's that's me you know in a nutshell so being able to you know, sort of share that piece uh, with the students today uh, letting them know like look you know, sometimes it may start rocky or you may not know, um, you know, what the future holds. But like when an opportunity presents itself, you know, you take it, you jump at it, even if you don't, you know, fully understand, like if you can succeed, you know, you, you try. So, you know, I'll share my story today and, you know, hope that it'll, you know, spark or flame. Uh, and even if it's one person. So how, as an education major, did mm-hmm. you end up in this world of politics? Oh, so it's it's weird um, because, you know, if I don't tell folks that I graduated with an education degree, they, they would assume that I graduated in, in politics or, you know, social engagement or something. Um, you know, I, I went into school uh, to be an education major because you know, that's what I felt was the best way for me to give back. I mean, I didn't really 
like school, you know, and, um, you know, I lived in Brooklyn, lived in Irvington, both um, cities that, you know, didn't really have uh, the best of schools. And, you know, the teachers were always stretched thin. And so you didn't have a lot of teachers that would actually take interest in students because they didn't have the time to. But you would have, you know, over the years, like these gyms, you know, these uh, these teachers that, you know, they went far beyond uh, the uh, the normal duties that they needed to. And, you know, I had, you know, maybe two two teachers throughout my, you know, like middle and um, high school years that really affected me. And it was the ones that really, like, took the time. Like, you know, they would, you know, give up their Saturday to do stuff. So that's why I got into education. Um, uh, I didn't end up teaching. You know, so I spent five years getting a degree. I didn't use it because my uh, last year, so, you know, I started off in 1999 and ended in 2004. Uh, in between those years, uh, No Child Left Behind uh, was uh, enacted. And, like, you know, there was a shift in how people started teaching. You know, so I, I got into teaching because I wanted to be that cool, fun teacher that, you know, would use the newspaper to teach, you know, would take, would go on field trips, would do all that. But when that law was passed, you know, it took a lot of time for uh, school districts to understand, like, well, how are we going to implement this? So there was like a little fear and, you know, like, we have to do this right. So you, you went from, you know, being super engaging to teaching by the book. And I couldn't do that. Um, and, you know, during my student teaching year, I didn't do as well as I thought. And I know it's mainly because, you know, the, 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 the function of the role changed and, you know, I could not adapt. Um, so knowing that, you know, I just didn't think that I was going to be as successful in the classroom as I wanted. So I decided not to teach. And, um, you know, the thing that I drew to next was just, all right, well, I spent a lot of time uh, working in communities and uh, working with different organizations. So... You know, I'll find a job uh, that is geared towards that. And, you know, it was AmeriCorps. You know, so worked for AmeriCorps um, straight out of college. So I started off as a Promise Fellow. And then, you know, you know, after two years, um, was lucky enough to work at the Clinton Foundation. So it, it, things just kind of gradually happened. You know, I didn't have uh, my mind set on politics, but the things that... I did as a student, you know, I didn't know that they would, they would they would become jobs, you know. So like being, you know, like the, you know, like event planner for your, you know, like BSU or something like that, you know, it was a skill, you know, organizing and like, you know, time management and all that stuff, you know, like it, it was easy, an easy transition for me to, uh, to work in AmeriCorps. Uh, so, you know. That's kind of how it happened. Finding opportunities mm -hmm. to really succeed. So you would say AmeriCorps was that you know opportunity, or was would you say that was opportunity happened in college? So I would say so. AmeriCorps was the opportunity, mm -hmm. but um, the the skills and you know just that passion was it was developing college. I just didn't know that. You know, for me, I just wanted to, you know, be active on campus, and that's how I labeled it. You know, like you come on campus and like you you do things. You know, I, I didn't really connect. All right, well, I'm doing all these things because I'm passionate about it. You know, so when I heard about AmeriCorps and you know the things that they would do, it was similar to what I was doing in college. You know, so you know you're, you know, helping you know like disadvantaged students by mentoring and coaching them. You know, you're going to 
you know, like these cities and helping the homeless or, you know, you're working on disaster preparedness plans, like all these things that we um, were part of in college because you know, like 9-11 happened when we were in college, you know, so, you know, figuring out like if ever something like that were to happen again, what do you do? Um, well, all things as a student, you know, I just wanted to be part of. And, mm-hmm. you know, when I read about America, I was like, oh, well, this is actually a job that you can get paid to do. So, you know, I gravitated towards that. And, you know, eventually uh, other opportunities uh, came about and, you know, you know, the rest is somewhat, you know, like the rest took its course. You mentioned earlier that you worked for the Clinton Foundation. Uh-huh. So was that like another stepping stone that helped you get to where you are today? And could you explain that? Mm-hmm. So the Clinton Foundation, uh, President Clinton was the, the first president that my parents ever talked about um, at home. And it was because he did a lot of work uh, for the country of Haiti. My parents are from Haiti. Um, and, you know, when he was working on issues that affected the country, you know, back at the time, my parents were, you know, very involved and engaged in knowing what was going on. So, like, I would hear them talking about uh, President Clinton. Um, so when I um, graduated and finished off in AmeriCorps, because I was, I actually... <laughs> Um, went to D.C. for this uh, training for then-Senator Barack Obama, uh, the Yes, We Can't Hope Fund training. And it was there where I met some people that were connected to the, uh, to the foundation. You know, I just talked to them and told them about myself and sort of shared that story, not knowing that they would take my resume and pass it on. You know, so it was just me, you know, engaging with people. Um, and I got a call to interview for a job, and, you know, I did. And it was perfect timing because my, my time at AmeriCorps, you know, because you served for two years, um, was coming to a close. You know, so I needed to find something to do the next thing. And uh, the Clinton Foundation, you know, they called. I interviewed. Uh, the first job that I interviewed for, I did not get. I was disappointed. Um, but, you know, because I, you know, I just left a good impression on them, when another opportunity came about, uh, they called me back. I interviewed again for for the new role, and I got it. Um, so it's it's so it's like, it's the common theme is you know like I never really had a uh, a track of like all right, well, in two years I'm going to work for AmeriCorps, and then like two years after that I'm going to you know work for a big foundation, and then two years after that I'm going to go do this. You know things kind of just happened. Um, and, you know, so it was nerve-wracking because it was always new and, like, you didn't know, like, if you were making the right decision. But, you know, for some reason, deep down inside, in my gut, I felt that uh, it was a good move, so I took it. I should mention that um, it, it was between the Clinton Foundation and, and me going to Missouri to work on a, um, a, sen- a senatorial race, you know, to, to work for Claire McCaskill. I had... Um, uh, you know, said that I was leaning towards going to Missouri because I never really lived outside of New York and New Jersey, so that experience alone would have been exciting. Um, but, you know, I couldn't pass up the opportunity for working for, you know, President Clinton, the president that, you know, uh, my parents loved and admired. So I ended up not going to Missouri, taking a job um, at the Clinton Foundation. So then through the Clinton Foundation, you did start working for the Obama administration, or was it the Obama campaign? So uh, the uh, Obama um, campaign, you know, so, you know, going back a little bit, you know, so that training, as I said, it was with Senator Barack Obama's Hope Fund. And, you know, the whole point of it was to, um, 
you know, help uh, more minorities get engaged in the full spectrum of uh, what it means to work on campaigns. You know, so you, we learned about fundraising. We learned about policy. We learned about scheduling in advance. We learned about um, the, 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 you know, like legislative, you know, like working, you know, like grassroots, like with people. Um, so I kept uh, in contact with everyone that uh, ran that program. So like the two years that I was at the Clinton Foundation, I still engaged with them. And, you know, despite, you know, Barack Obama uh, going against Hillary Clinton, you know, it didn't really affect the relationships that I had um, with um, uh, the folks that worked for Senator Obama um, because, you know, like, I, I just was a hard worker, you know, and I could have left to work on his campaign in the very beginning, but I had committed to work for President Clinton at his foundation, so I, I missed the entire primary. And the minute the primary ended, uh, because of those good relationships that I kept, you know, they asked us, hey, you know, like, we're looking to staff up, you know, like, do you want to work for the campaign? And, you know, to me, it was a no-brainer. You know, like, it was, you know, President, it was Senator Obama's Hope Fund uh, program that helped me get the job at the Clinton Foundation. So it was only right, I felt, for me to help him, you know, like, on his campaign to, you know, hopefully become the president of the United States. So were you always interested in politics, or were you kind of familiar with everything? Did you need to learn Anything new on your journey? <laughs> so I wasn't, um, and you know, I'm still learning now um, because, you know, politics, where I'm from, you know, it's not, you know, the topic of discussion, you know, at the dinner table. Um, you know, as I mentioned earlier, you know, my parents, they immigrated here. Um, and, you know, to them, you know, the American dream you know, was harder, you know, because, like, they weren't native to, to the country. So it was all about working, you know. So my, my parents would wake up at, like, 5.30 in the morning. Um, you know, my dad would take my mom to, to work and then come back, make sure we were ready and drove us to school. And we didn't see them again until 7 o'clock. So, like, dinner was kids just talking. Um, and when my parents got back home, it was more like, well, how was school? And then, like, they went on to sleep. And in our areas, you know, like so much things, so much bad things would happen. You know, like you would, you know, it would be crime ridden or like, you know, the schools weren't good. So you, you had a, uh, a negative uh, feeling towards all politicians. You just felt like, look, man, you come here during election time and you don't do anything. So why pay attention to it? Um, and that's sort of the, um, the attitude I had uh, up until I got into college, um, you know, where you started to understand the process more because it was, you know, broken down and explained to you. Like, look, all right, well, this is how a law is actually made. And, like, you know, there's elections and there's there's mayors, there's, like, state senators, there's X, Y, Z. And you realize that, you know, these are normal people, you know. So, like, these are your neighbors who, you know, has, uh, you know, made the decision to represent, you know, like, their district by doing X. And it was it's always something that drives them to it, you know. So, well, I would say real public servants, you know, the calling is deep inside, you know, like whether they, they see a wrong uh, that they want to fix, you know. So that's how I, you know, started liking politics and understanding, like, look, regardless if we don't like the, 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 the politician that serves us, you know, like we, we are the ones that put them in there, you know. So if we don't like him or her, then, you know, we need to be engaged and either find someone else or vote that person out. 
so I got a late start in, in, into politics. Um, and, you know, as I said, you know, I'm still learning, um, but I know it, 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 it's important. And, you know, that's one of the things I, I try to stress to people, too. You know, like you can't be on the sidelines, you know, because um, if you are, the things that you're upset about, you know, they'll never change. Or when they do change, they're not going to change, you know, the way you like it because, like, you didn't voice your opinion or you didn't show that um, your voice is an active one. So would you say that politics did end up kind of being a natural fit for you? Because you always mentioned, like, where I'm from, you wanted to change that. Was it a natural fit? Yeah, yes. You know, you, you, you come to realize that, you know, that, you know, again, because it wasn't really explained to me, like, I didn't know. You know, but, you know, once you, you come into yourself, you realize, like, oh, man, you know, like, I, I have been social, so, socially active or concerned about uh, what uh, is going on in my community and, you know, you know, figuring out, like, all right, well, how do you how you change that is, you know, through being engaged in the in the uh, in the political process. Now that, you know, it, it, you know, I know that um, things are, you know, things are so much clearer and, you know, I form my own opinions and, you know, um, I always start off by saying it, it's my opinion and, you know, try to share and educate folks on, on what's going on, uh, hoping that they take an interest. And it doesn't even need to be a deep interest. You know, you can start locally, you know, where like you're, you're you know, you're worrying about what concerns you know, your area, and then, you know, you move on to, like, well, you know, like, federal or state, you know, and, you know, the rest is, you know, like, it's it's all up to you. Knowing that at the end of the day, like, you know, once you reach a, reach a certain age, like, you know, you have the right to cast a vote, you know, that can change um, the dynamics of, you know, like a city, a state, or a country. Will you ever run for any type of office? <laughs> I... <laughs> Uh, good question. I, uh, I, uh, before I um, got to the White House, you know, I, I always thought about it because you know I would have friends that would, you know they would call me the governor or would say like you know you need to run uh, someday, and you know now that I'm out, you know I I, I don't think so because because I feel not because you know I, I don't think um, you know serving you know your country or you know your state, your city is a bad thing. I feel that um, you don't necessarily need to be a politician to, to make change. You know, um, you look at people like Bill Gates and Melinda Gates, um, you know, people like Steve Jobs was in your life. Like, you know, those folks were, they were, you know, groundbreakers too, making change. Like Oprah makes change and they don't hold any political office. So I feel like y you... You know, like you're not attached to a political party, and like so, like you can really um, voice your opinion or be okay with it. Like it, this is just what Greg thinks, and like it's up to you to defend that, uh, you know, that idea, that thought. You know, and you know, you do your own research, or like again, you know, you talk with people, and like no one could come at you and be like, well, this is not, you know, like what our platform is, and like you're off message and all that stuff. So right now, I feel. Um, I've been, I'm, I'm successful just being Greg, someone who, you know, just loves his community. Um, so there's not really a need for me to attach a uh, elected official position to that. So obviously you, you did have experience at the White House, eight years the, in the White House. 
What was the biggest adjustment? Because I remember when we visited the White House, just standing on the driveway looking at the White House was like, you know, just kind of jarring. How was it working in that environment and how was it adjusting to that environment? So uh, I'm not embarrassed to share this. Um, so I started working at the White House when I was 24, maybe 24, 25. And I thought the White House was the Capitol building. We did, too. No, we did too. We were we were on the uh, the back side of the Capitol building, and we were looking. And we were like, "Oh yeah, that's the White House." And we walked around. And we're like, "Nope, that or no, it was the Treasury." We thought the yeah. Treasury was the mm-hmm. White House. You know, so you know, when I went for the first time, I, I went to the wrong place, and you know, a lot of my colleagues were like, "Oh man, you should be embarrassed to share that story. You shouldn't share that." But like, they come from you know families that were heavy into politics, or you know, their parents must you know may have took them to the White House, so they knew what it looked like. I didn't, you know. So every minute of you know like my experience there, the first year was like a pinch me moment, you know, because you know I was learning so much, you know. So like walking the halls, um, and you know. Swiping in my badge every day just felt like, wow, you know, this is a precious moment. Um, and just, you know, the, the, the process of how things worked, you know, I, I, was, I was not familiar with it. Uh, but, you know, I made sure that I came in early, you know, so the things that I knew I wasn't strong in or, like, I felt that I needed to, like, you know, know more, I, I, you know, I studied, you know. So, you know, just like you are, you know, if you're, you know, have a tough class, you know, you— buckle down and figure out like what it is that can make you more successful in it and then you do it so reading the history about the white house like testing myself so like doing a whole bunch of tours where i knew folks would ask questions and i'm like well i need to be able to answer them so like let me figure it out uh it was just it was crazy you know because again it's not something that um you know typically happens uh in you know, like the areas that I come from, like, you know, my friends used to think that you had to pay to visit the White House. And that's not the case at all. I mean, I thought that was just like any other museum that you probably would have to pay a fee, but it's totally free, you know? What is the most difficult part of being former President Obama's scheduler? And like, how do you cope to overcome these difficulties? So uh, I would say, you know, the, the hardest part, you know, in this, in that role was, you know, not only were you scheduling, you know, the president of the United States, but you were also, you know, scheduling, you know, like Barack Obama, the the father, you know, the you know the the husband, you know, the you know avid you know sports person, <laughs> you know. Um, so making sure that each day, as we mapped out uh, what he would be doing, like we thought about that, you know, so. If there were important games, you know, that were on, you know, like we made sure that we weren't going to plan anything that would, you know, like be in the way of like a Bulls game. I knew I liked him for a reason. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and it wasn't like he said, you know, I want to watch every Bulls game. But like you tried to like if he wanted to, like, you know, it was easy for him to do it. You know, knowing when, you know, um, the, the, the kids had like practice or a test, you know, though all those things that, you know, when you look at, you know, different departments, you know, when they're coming for time or requesting time or wanting to do something like their main focus is on that, you know, like, right, he's going to spend the whole day doing this. And, you know, that was never the case. So like, you know, um, setting realistic, um, 
expectations for everybody was probably the hardest part. And, you know, trying to think like him, you know, because, you know, we wanted to make sure that everything he did uh, was awesome for him, but also awesome for the uh, the people that he was engaging with. You know, so it, it would make no sense if it was just one-sided. You know, like you come into a meeting or you go to an event and it was all about him. He was the most comfortable person there. You know, we wanted to make sure that, you know, like if he was going to, say, a, a city like Chicago, um, that, you know, we had a diverse group of people um, and, you know, they got um, out of the event as much as he got out of the event, you know. So we were the only department that had to sort of like think like that. And how did you make that adjustment to it? Was it just spending so much time with him that you ended up getting more comfortable to think like him and, and to get more comfortable to think like what he would want to or his day to look like? So, you know, really in our roles, like we are behind the scenes, you know. So, like, mm-hmm. you know, the interaction is not what people think, you know, like where it's like every day, you know, like he is – like behind me saying like what what's on the agenda so it took you know every interaction that we would have you know whether it was you know a meeting where you know we're listening uh at uh the president talk about you know what he feels is important and then taking that and saying all right well like how do we make how do we put this on paper and how do we uh put a picture to it um so it, it took you know it you know, it, it could always change, you know, so like we just were always ready to adapt. So being adaptable was was the, the biggest key, um, knowing that, you know, yes, we have uh, sort of a, a playbook on how to do something. But if uh, it has to change, we're ready to do that. And the final question I have for you, you kept mentioning your your family and that President Clinton was the first president your parents talked about. What was their reaction when you started working at the White House, when you started working with President Obama? So. My mom, you know, so my parents, uh, they uh, came to America in the, you know, like early 70s, mid 70s. And, you know, it was always on like, you know, green card status. Um, And my mom, you know, because, you know, everybody in the household was, you know, somewhat uh, interested in in if this was going to be possible, if this... African American man would be able to be president. You know, they were they were there when uh, Jesse Jackson ran, and they, you know, so they was like, look, I don't know if this is real. Um, but my mom, you know, like just feeling that you know this could happen, like she like started the process of becoming you know a citizen. You know, so her first vote um, as a U.S. citizen was for Barack Obama as president. You know, so like it was just. You know, to them, it was like, I can't believe my son is doing this. I can't believe my son is working for two presidents, you know, working for, you know, like President Clinton, who, you, you know, like did so much for the, the country that they that, that they came from. And, you know, now, you know, working on a campaign, this historic campaign for, you know, this African-American man, um, him becoming president and like me actually having a job, you know, um, it, it's it's been a dream for us all. Um, I was just going to ask if you have a scheduler. <laughs> no, no, I don't. And, you know, um, I, you know, I sort of have learned how to manage my time through, you know, like managing, you know, like, you know, the president's time, like both President Clinton and uh, President Obama, um, you know, knowing that, again, like they're so busy 
and like the time that I have to myself is limited, uh, I, I try to structure myself and you know I put it into buckets. You know, like the most important thing to me is my family. You know, I have a uh, two little two kids you know i have a six-year-old daughter and a three-year-old son you know been married to my wife um it'll be uh 10 years um in september you know so like that that's my priority then you know there's work um and then there's other and and other like that's a huge bucket you know where you know whether it's giving back spending time with like my my family and friends i try to, to piece that together um so it's tough, but uh, I feel that what I do in all three of those buckets um, is inspiring whoever's watching me, you know. So, you know, at the end of the day, like, you know, someone could see something like, oh, well, you know, I want to one day become like work at the White House. But also, you know, there's someone that's saying, you know, I want to be a great dad, uh, or a great mentor or friend, you know. So, you know, knowing that, you know, I don't cheat myself uh, in terms of time. Like, you, you don't get any seconds back. So I, I try to do everything that I can um, 100%. Thank you for listening to this WXAV.com podcast. Check out WXAV.com for future podcasts. WXAV, the escape from ordinary radio.